Yo, what up? Welcome to another episode of the Oakland Warriors podcast. I'm Patrick, and the Warriors just lost a relatively close game to the Philadelphia 76ers at home without Steph Curry, again, who is nursing a tailbone contusion. They could have used him tonight. That's pretty obvious. The Warriors started off looking like garbage. I was like, man, how many times can these guys get blown out? And how many times can they get blown out on national television? I was like, yo, what are they down? 24, I think, at one point. And they just looked flat, discombobulated, disinterested. I don't know. But props to them for competing. Props to that second unit for cutting into that lead and making it more of a reasonable deficit that they actually were able to come back from. I thought Nico Mannion did a pretty decent job running the second unit, running point, playing within himself, making the right plays, making the right passes. I mean, he's not the biggest guy on the court. He's not the quickest, but that dude tries hard. (laughs) I mean, he puts a lot of effort On the defensive end and on offense, he's always, always looking for the cutter, for the backdoor, for another teammate. He'll call his own shot. He didn't shoot that well. I think he shot like two for seven or something, but he had some nice dimes. And that is a really, really good way to get your teammates to like you and enjoy playing with you. Unfortunately, the Jordan Poole Bonanza parade, whatever, I don't know. He had a bit of a mediocre game. He didn't shoot that well either. He was five for 16, just two for nine from three point land. He did have 19 points, but you know, that kind of drop off hurt them. But what are you going to do? Like he's been on a streak for a while and he did contribute. He got to the line seven times, hit all seven free throws. So you know, he's going to have a down game and I'm sure he'll have a better game next time. And it's just about having more better games than bad games. Jordan Poole, you're still doing okay. James Wiseman back from the COVID contact tracing issue that kept him out of both games in Memphis. And, you know, he was okay. He had a couple nice alley-oops. He shot five for 13. He was really kind of trying things out. He shot a few jumpers, a couple long rangers, maybe one or two threes, and he clanked a bunch, but that's okay. This is part of it. This is part of him getting reps, trying things out, especially when Steph isn't there and commanding the ball so much. So this is part of his growth, right? What he really needs is actually 10 or 15 straight games where he's not interrupted by an all-star break, an injury, or some kind of COVID issue. He played a bunch. He got benched. He was playing okay. And then he got hurt. He was out for almost a month, came back, had a couple of games, all-star break, misses the COVID test, plays up and down, misses a couple more games because of COVID contact tracing, and now he's back. So For anyone out there who says like, oh, he looks the same. He doesn't look like he's getting any better. It kind of feels that way. But listen, like he has a ton of potential. We all know that. It's just that he hasn't had the reps lately. It's like he starts and then he stops and then he starts again. Right now, he's just kind of getting his engines revved up in that sense. There's times, there's times in the game where he does something really good. 
Like he'll draw a foul, he'll make a good pass, he'll dunk the ball on a good move, either in this game or previous games. And you can see in his face afterwards, like when the broadcasts cut to more of a close-up, tighter, medium shot on him. You can imagine in like a year or two (laughs) that he is not just a rookie, a 19-year-old kind of just lost out there, that he is in command. Close your eyes when you get frustrated with James Wiseman and just close your eyes and imagine that player in a year, in two years. Yes, yes, Steph will be 400 years old at that point everybody's talking about, but don't even think about that right now. But think about somebody who is in command of his game, knows what's happening on the floor. That's the guy we're going to get. James Wiseman got knocked around a bit by Dwight Howard for all the Instagram photos from before the draft of James Wiseman working out and being super buff, at least like from his torso to his arms and all that stuff. The one thing that everybody pointed out when they saw those photos was like, yo, he missed leg day because his legs still looked hella skinny. That's part of the reason why he gets knocked around right now. I mean, he needs to get stronger in his legs. And Dwight Howard, he's always been strong. When he came into the league, he was strong. (laughs) right? Wiseman is big and strong, but it doesn't seem like he knows yet how to use his bulk. When you look at clips of James Wiseman when he was in high school, he was skinny. He was skinny. And when you look at clips of Dwight Howard when he was in high school, he was already really strong. I feel like Wiseman is still learning how to use that strength and all the stuff that people have said about him and not liking physicality. I think all those things combined, he just needs to get in there and get again, you know, I know I'm repeating myself and whatever, but he just needs the reps. So just don't trade him. Towards the end of the game, I was like, oh, who's going to close the game? The Warriors, they'd lost their lead. They were down by one and Kerr, I was a little surprised, put Wiseman in. He gave him a shot. Wiseman played a couple minutes, the deficit got a little bit bigger, and then he just pulled the cord, and then he put Looney in. Again, he gave him a shot. It didn't work. Wiseman in there with Oubre. I think he he bumped into Oubre a couple times on dribble drives when Oubre was going to the basket, and that was kind of weird. Again, it seems like he mucks up the middle a little bit. Looney ended up closing the game, and that's great for defense, for offense, You know, Looney's not going to score very much, but I mean, hey, if you could combine Looney's savvy and veteran mindset with James Wiseman's physical abilities, I think you'd have an all-star right now. (laughs) Towards the end of the game, some calls didn't go the Warriors' way, but it's kind of a wash because the Sixers had some bad calls on them during the Warriors' run when they caught up and built up their lead, so... Ultimately, that stuff balances out, whatever. The technical on Draymond towards the end was, I I didn't even see what he did, but, you know, like, swallow the whistle on that. The game is relatively close still, and you just gave Philly another point, and more momentum affected the outcome of the game. That's what you don't want to do as a ref, so, yeah. The trade deadline is on Thursday, noon, West Coast time. There's been so much chatter, so much analysis, so much clickbait, so much made-up stuff on Bleacher Report or NBC Sports Bay Area where they just churn out a bunch of really bad articles. 
they just aggregate podcasts. They take like one line and then they'll just make a whole article. Like literally their style is to take something that someone said, write about it, do a little intro, state what was said, do a short little blurb about like what that might mean, and then just rehash some basic information. That's exactly what those articles are like. You got to make your money somehow, but man, those are rough. One thing I'll say is I don't know if anything's going to happen. I think they should move Ubre if they can. It's too bad he's had a rough couple of weeks since the All-Star game, since hurting his wrist, since kind of hurting his leg in Houston, I think. Because if he was playing like he was in February, then it'd be a much hotter commodity and you'd have more leverage. Obviously, Victor Oladipo and Aaron Gordon are the hopes and dreams, but those are pretty much long shots. Bogdanovich out of Atlanta, I would definitely take. I would trade him for Ubre just to change things up. The kid is signed for another couple of years, so you don't have to worry about that. He'll probably make less than Ubre is going to make when Ubre hits the free agent market. And, you know, it would add a different dimension to the team. I think with Ubre in February, that is honestly kind of his ceiling. And it was great, but I don't think that is super sustainable. And don't get me wrong, like, I like the guy. I do imagine, I've said this before, like, oh, if they did sign him and they did want to pay him and Ubre did want to come off the bench next year, can you imagine a small ball lineup of Steph, Clay, Wiggins, Ubre, and Draymond? That would be kind of a nightmare. I would love to see that, but it just doesn't seem realistic, though, who really knows what's going to happen? Uh, some quick NCAA tournament talk. I used to love college basketball. I grew up being a huge Georgetown fan. And then I was a huge UNLV fan. And then I was a big Fab Five fan. As time went on, though, like I just stopped paying attention. And when I watch college basketball, it's kind of painful. All the bad shooting and, and lower level of play. I mean, it's fine. I mean, I know they're teenagers, early 20s, college students, whatever, way better than I ever was on the court. And if you enjoy watching college basketball, that's awesome. More power to you. But at this point, I just get bored watching it. But I have watched the tournament a little bit, and I got a chance to watch Jalen Suggs. And if if the Warriors are able to get the number four pick, and if either Suggs or Kaminga is available that would be just amazing because I would take either of those guys. Kaminga, 6'7", 6'8", wing. That dude has so much potential. He's so athletic, and I think he has the ability to do a lot of things. But Suggs, Jalen Suggs, that kid has impressed me. He is already a very, very good player. He's tough. He has a lot of toughness and attitude like all over the place. And that dude would be a hell of a leader. And he obviously has a football player's mindset. I mean, he played quarterback, and I think he was recruited to play quarterback somewhere in uh, at a big school in college. Yeah, either of those dudes would be amazing. A lot of stuff has to go the Warriors' way, so I'm not going to bank on it. But man, I want to do an episode soon about what next year's lineup is going to be, what I hope for it to be. Because all this talk, this whole season, ever since Clay went down, has been thinking about developing Wiseman, maybe getting to the playoffs, and then really, really focusing on next season. All this talk, we're at the point where so many people are talking about next season. Let's sit down and figure out what our dream lineup would be. 
I think I'm going to try that sometime in the near future. Man, yeah, we'll see what happens. Up next, the Warriors have the Kings, the Hawks, the Bulls, the Heat, the Raptors, the Hawks again, and then they run into Milwaukee, and then they get Washington, Houston. The Warriors' schedule gets pretty, pretty nice for them in the next couple of weeks. So let's just look at these first six games before Milwaukee. Sac, Atlanta, Chicago, Miami, Toronto, Atlanta. Six games, four and two. I want four and two for that at the very least. All those games are winnable, definitely competitive. If Steph is back, I know he misses a couple more games, but if Steph is back soon, let's see if we can get those. Anyway, that's another episode of the Oakland Warriors podcast. Be sure to subscribe, follow wherever you get your podcasts. Feel free to hit me up on Twitter at Patrick Epino, E-P-I-N-O, or at Oakland Warriors. Check us out at OaklandWarriors.com. And be sure to tell your fellow Warrior fan friends to listen and subscribe. The Oakland Warriors podcast is produced by National Film Society. And you can also check out these episodes on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash National Film Society. I'll be posting these there. And that's it. Music in this episode provided by Paper Sun. Special thanks to Paul Amardo for production support. See you next time. <laughs>